Are you ready to talk about the motion picture shows? I don't know. I'd probably have to say yeah on that one, question mark. Three hours for a movie? Welcome to Football's Day. I needed this thing to end quick, fast, and in a hurry. Is it though? Is it a good movie? Yes. I think so. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. No matter what. Don't be crazy, Zach. One plus one plus two plus one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I already started. I already started being crazy. I did huh? what did I what did I tell you? What did Didn't I tell I say, you? Don't <laughs> Didn't buy I say don't don't be crazy. <laughs> no, but but Justin, it was a gift. It's okay. It was a gift yeah. from his mother. It's in his, it's in my mother's name. So <laughs> I love this. He's scene. like, what? <laughs> I like, love this scene me. <laughs> when Joe Pesci's talking and he's like yeah so mom blah 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 can I borrow this knife and then he just takes the knife he's like we gotta cut off one of those things what is it a hoof it's a hoof yeah like the paw what do you, what do you call it what do you call it the paw he's got a good, yeah. good good set of hair on him good full full hair good looking guy so, yeah. god that movie's good I miss, I miss it already that's my line I know I, I use your lines all the time don't you know you know that yeah <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I hope you're doing well. My my June was rough. I I'm was sorry. I was sick almost the entire month, and I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited that you're back, and I am just um kind of uh, I'm I'm excited to discuss the film and talk about all that kind of stuff to hear your voice again. It's great. It's uh, reunited, and it feels so good. Do you know who sings that? I'll give you $1 USD if you can tell me who sings that song. What about Canadian? Actually, the Canadian's weaker than the US dollar right now. Um, Casey and the Sunshine Band. (laughs) (laughs) No. Peaches and Herb. Oh, wow. That is a weird name. There's been one Herb and I think three different Peaches. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I might need to fact check that one, but I think... I think you got the one herb there and, and three peaches moving to the country. Herb's going to eat me a lot of peaches. <laughs> so they aren't reunited, so they lied to us. So yeah. that, that's cool. That's cool. It's all, it's all scam. It's all a scam. It's one of them okay. UNICEF scams. So. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I am terrible. I do not have the critical reception handy, but I will fix that. Um, either way, we have... Uh, we ain't got no time for jibba jabba, so let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, we're going to be doing Clue, which, interestingly enough, some fun trivia for you was uh, the listeners. That is, I know you know this, but we actually did an episode. Our very first episode of Don't Be Crazy was going to be Clue, but the recording didn't work. It was all garbled mess, and uh, we were out of luck. So we are revisiting the movie some three and a half years later, and uh, happy happy to talk about. This amazing motion picture show, directed by Jonathan Lynn, who you might know from The Whole Nine Yards, My Cousin Vinny, and Sergeant Bilko. I, I love that all movie. Of, I've seen all of those in the theater. How weird is that? Uh, <laughs> it's not weird. I feel like you went every, like, what, Tuesday or whatever for $3 Tuesday or whatever you this said. Movie, this movie I did not see in the theater. I saw hmm. this one on home video, but hmm. uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it was written by, is this supposed to be John Landis? This is John Landy. Oh, John Landis and Jonathan Lynn. I am Paul. Okay. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Uh, and Anthony E. Pratt, uh, who is the board game creator. Uh, the cast includes, uh, this is a bit of a who's who. You have uh, Tim Curry, Eileen Brennan, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKeon, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, Colleen Camp, and Lee Ving. Uh, critical reception. Uh, place your bets. This is actually a, this is certified fresh. It is sixty eight percent on the old tomato meter. That's like about the cutoff point probably for <laughs> being fresh. Uh, audience score is eighty six though, which isn't uh, it's not half bad. People that like it uh, or people that watch it then tend to genuinely enjoy it. However, I see a lot of splattered green tomatoes on this uh, little review screen here, so bear with me. Kevin Thomas. From the Los Angeles Times says, it's not the least bit scary or suspenseful, but instead quickly grows tedious. 
The more you struggle to keep track of the constantly multiplying plot developments, the harder it gets to care who did it. There's a lot going on in this movie. He's not he's not wrong about that. Uh, Roger Ebert, <laughs> you know, from the Chicago Sun, they uh, they don't like the motion picture shows, as we've stated multiple times. And he didn't like this movie either. It says one ending is more than enough. And we'll get into the multiple endings. Uh, however, Trace Thurman from Horror Queers Podcast says one of the funniest movies ever made, comma, bar none. So, uh, there is that. Oh, you know what? One more from uh, Andrew Galdi from Movie Bitches. Don't be a batch. Movie poop shoot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it says everybody knew what they were doing, which I, I agree. And then, I mean, even uh, Avril Holly says, uh, also from Movie Bitches, says every single person is perfect, which is nice praise. Uh, it can be hard to shine when you're in an ensemble cast like this, but uh, I think I think most folks had their had their time to shine, so that's fantastic. Uh, let's see. The budget was fifteen million dollars. It grossed a whopping fourteen point six million uh, here in the uh, United States opening weekend, which was December fifteenth, nineteen eighty five. It pulled in a whopping two million dollars. And, Two million dollars. Uh, yeah, you believe it? Yeah. And uh, that is it, my friend. Cool. Cool beans. Well, yeah, it's interesting that this movie didn't do so well. It was a, how do you say, un flop, and then it became a cult classic afterwards. So three endings were shot and a different one shown at each theater. All three are included on video. Remember those? Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? And then the DVD, however, aside from all three endings, also offers the option to play the movie with one randomly selected ending. In some cities, the newspaper print ads indicated which version, ending A, ending B, or ending C, was being shown at each theater. Pretty cool. According to an interview with writer and director Jonathan Lynn, after a screening on the 25th anniversary of this movie's release, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia herself, was originally cast as Miss Scarlet until she ended up in rehab for drug addiction four days before filming started. Fisher called Lynn and agreed to work to a work furlough, which received approval from her clinicians and the producers, but was vetoed by the producer's insurance company, forcing Lynn to dismiss her from the project. Leslie Ann Warren was cast as a last-minute replacement. Professor Plum hypothesizes to the group that the brandy was poisoned. In the original Clue and Cluedo, which is the UK version, that's pretty wonky, poison was included amongst the possible weapons and later reinduced into the 1990s game Clue Master Detective. I don't ever, I never had a version of Clue that had poison. So fascinating. And and Clue's one of my favorite board games ever. So I never remember a poison. Pretty cool. There was actually a fourth ending scripted and shot in which Wadsworth committed all the murders out of a twisted need for perfection in his life. He reveals that he poisoned everyone with a slow-acting toxin in their drinks. It ended with Wadsworth being killed by dogs as he attempted to escape by car from the house. The rather grim nature of the ending is probably why it was never released. It was never shown because the filmmakers thought the ending would have been too obvious. It only survives in the novelization and the storybook, which features a single photo from that ending, the chief punching Wadsworth in the stomach. That's a gruesome end. Mm-hmm. It's dark. I know. I like I it. Know. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, well, here's the synopsis for anybody who has not seen 1985 Clue. So in 1954, six strangers arrive by ominous invitation at a secluded New England mansion, despite most of the guests being from Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Greeted by Wadsworth, the butler, and Yvette, the maid, each guest receives a pseudonym. Colonel Mustard, Mrs. White, Mrs. Peacock, Mr. Green, Professor Plum, and Miss Scarlet. A seventh guest arrives, Mr. Body, who Wadsworth reveals has been blackmailing the others. Mrs. Peacock is accused of taking bribes for her husband, a U.S. senator, but denies any wrongdoing and claims she has paid the blackmail to keep the scandal quiet. Mrs. White is suspected in the death of her husband, a nuclear physicist. She denies guilt and states that she does not want the allegations made public. Professor Plum has lost his medical license due to an affair with a patient. Miss Scarlet runs an underground brothel in brothel in Washington, D.C. Colonel Mustard, though initially suspected of being one of Miss Scarlet's clients, is actually a war profiteer who sold plane parts on the black market, resulting in several deaths. 
Mr. Green is a homosexual, a secret that would cost him his job at the State Department if anyone found out. While threatening to expose the guests if he is arrested, Mr. Body gives them each a weapon, a candlestick, a knife, a lead pipe, a revolver, a rope, and a wrench, and suggests that someone kill Wadsworth, who has the key to the front door and whose death will ensure that no one but the seven of us will ever know of their secrets. Mr. Body turns out the lights, deathly moans are heard, and a gunshot rings out as the lights are turned back on to reveal Mr. Body apparently dead without any indication at first glance as to how. As the guests investigate uh, Body's death, Body's body, Wadsworth tells them that the police had been notified and that they have approximately 45 minutes for them to figure this out. He also explains to the guests that his wife had committed suicide due to Mr. Body's blackmail because she refused to name friends who were socialists, forcing him to become Body's butler, and that he has summoned the guests to force a confession out of Mr. Body and turn him over to the police. The group suspects the cook, but they find her dead as well, having been stabbed with a knife. Mr. Body's body disappears, but the guests find him now bleeding in the bathroom, having been stuck or struck on the head with the candlestick. Wadsworth locks the weapons in a cupboard, and he attempts to throw the key away, but a stranded motorist and Wads- uh, arrives, and Wadsworth locks him in the lounge. While the guests search the mansion in pairs, an unknown individual burns the blackmail evidence, unlocks the cupboard, and kills the motorist with the wrench. Discovering a secret passage, Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet find themselves locked in the lounge with the motorist's corpse until Yvette shoots the door open with a revolver. A police officer investigating the motorist's abandoned car arrives to use the phone. The mansion receives a call from J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, which Wadsworth takes alone. After distracting the police officer successfully, the guests resume their search until another unknown person turns off the electricity. A vet, the police officer, and a singing telegram girl who arrived while the lights were out are murdered with the rope, lead pipe, and revolver, respectively. Wadsworth and the others regroup after he turns the electricity back on and he reveals he knows who the murderer is. Recreating the night's events, Wadsworth explains that the five other victims were bodies informants. An evangelist interrupts the gathering, but Mrs. Peacock shuns him by closing the door, and Wadsworth continues his explanation with one of the three possible outcomes. In ending A, Yvette murdered the cook and Mr. Body on orders from Miss Scarlet, for whom she once worked as a call girl. Scarlet then killed Yvette and the other victims. Planning to sell the guest's secrets, Scarlet prepares to shoot Wadsworth, who asserts there are no more bullets, causing them to bicker over how many shots they have and disarm Scarlet as law enforcement raid the house. The evangelist, uh, revealed to be police to be the police chief, congratulates Wadsworth, an undercover FBI agent. Wadsworth attempts to demonstrate the revolver is empty, but a remaining bullet brings down a chandelier, narrowly missing Colonel Mustard, whilst Miss Scarlet laughs about being correct. Ending B, Mrs. Peacock killed all the victims to conceal her, taking bribes from foreign powers. She holds the office or the others at gunpoint as they allow her to leave. Wadsworth reveals he is an undercover FBI agent sent to investigate her. While escaping to her car, Mrs. Peacock is surprised by the evangelist, who is revealed to be the police chief as the police raid their property. After the police chief assures her arrest, Wadsworth asks if anyone would care for some fruit or dessert. And then finally, ending C, apart from Mr. Green, everyone has killed at least one person. Professor Plum missed Mr. Body with the revolver, but later killed him with the candlestick. Mrs. Peacock stabbed the cook, her former employee. Colonel Mustard bludgeoned the motorist, who was his driver during World War II. Mrs. White throttled Yvette out of jealousy and hatred for the latter's affair with her husband, whom she had also killed and Miss Scarlet clubbed the cop, whom she was bribing. Wadsworth reveals that he shot the singing telegram girl, the patient Professor Plum had the affair with, and that he is the real Mr. Body. The person that Professor Plum killed was Mr. Body's butler. With his spies and informants disposed of, he plans to continue blackmailing the guest. Mr. Green then draws his own revolver, kills Wadsworth, and reveals himself to be an undercover FBI agent, the homosexuality blackmail being nothing but a ruse, a red herring, to get close to Wadsworth and that the earlier phone call from J. Edgar Hoover was for him. Green then opens the front door, bringing the authorities to arrest the others as the evangelist is revealed to be the police chief. After telling the police chief he has killed Mr. Body in the hall with his revolver, Mr. Green says, okay, chief, take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. That is Clue, and that's a very long explanation. So, <laughs> apologize about that, but that's okay. That's what we're here for, right? So, Justin, let's get into it. When did you first see Clue? You said you didn't see it in the theaters, but when did you first see it, and what did you think? Uh, I saw it sometime before 1990. I remember that I was living in 29 Palms at the time, but 
Uh, I did not see it when it came out. How old um, were you in 90? Uh, well, I mean, I would have saw it. Uh, yeah, so I would have been under 10. So, OK, I, I know that I saw it before 1990. I just don't remember when exactly. But sometime between 85. Well, I would say sometime between 87 and 89 because I was living in 29 Palms. Did you like it? Uh, yeah, that was funny. I mean, I was a kid, so a lot of it I didn't understand. Uh, but I think that Tim Curry was, you know, a lot of the physical comedy made me laugh as a kid, but it wasn't until I was a teenager when I watched it again that I genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah, this movie took a a while for me to like quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like the greatest movie ever, and I don't don't understand, you know, anyone that gives this movie an A, I think would have to explain a few things, but <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. Justin. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I'm not here to yuck your yum. If you like it, then, then that's fantastic. I do think it's, it's funny and it's good, but I don't think it's like, you know, amazing or anything like that. Stop yucking my God dang. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I just remember watching it on TV a bunch when I was a kid. I don't know the exact age, but there were a lot of jokes I didn't get until I was older. And I still don't get them sometimes because it's such a fast uh, talking film. The script is tight and the, the the humor is tight. I mean, I didn't know what communism was when I was a kid. I'm like, I don't get it. What's a, what's also a red herring? What's so, a homosexual? Yeah, I love that, too. When he's like, well, I'm not going to let Mr. Body expose it. I'm a homosexual. And I work <laughs> in Washington and he sits down and Professor Plum gets right up and moves away. It's just <laughs> yeah. so stupid. But it's. It's it's almost like these 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 shticks. It's some sort of slap shtick, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really enjoy the hell out of it. It's a movie that I'll put on as a background if I need to. Uh, When I was going when I was dating a bunch, uh, it would be a hey, do we just want to watch a movie tonight? Sweet. Let's watch Clue. Like it was my default for those. I just love it so much. It's it's so funny. And I I'm glad there's a cult following behind it. Yeah, with the whole shake, rattle, and roll, and all that kind of stuff. But Clue, yeah, Clue, uh, Clue is obviously based off of a beloved board game, and it you, is. <laughs> you are a fan of board games, there, sir. You yes. like the Monopoly, you like the Twister, you I like the Mousetrap. Like <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but what is your history with the game and with the game Clue? And when was the last time you actually played it? Yeah, I like Clue. I play it. I mean, until the pandemic, I played it pretty. Uh, often, I would say. Uh, the last time I played it was in the spring of 2019, and I actually won on my first turn. It was incredible. Uh, well, my first turn attempt at guessing. I, I didn't make it to a room uh, on my first die roll, but uh, the very first time I made it into a room, I guessed, and nobody had the cards that I said, and, and I was fucking right. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> and I win board games a lot, so it's Sometimes it's hard to play games with me, and that that made it even more complicated. <laughs> it was it was one hundred percent luck, but it irritated the people in the room. <laughs> Justin, you're one of those those game players that I would just be like, "Are you kidding me right now?" <laughs> I would be so angry. I'd be like, "Ah, all right, Mister Mister Fun Sucker, Mister Stealing of Best Friends." <laughs> right. I know. I felt I felt bad about that. Um, I, I really did, but um, it is not uncommon for me to win at board games, and that was an especially fun time when I won on my first guess. For sure. So I used to play this game quite a bit. Um, it was one of my favorites. It's It still is one of my favorite games, but we also had the PC version, which was really cool um, because... Remember the old PC games, how they would have real janky animations in them. This one, every time you would make a guess with something, it would have an animation of that character committing a murder. But from like uh, they're killing you and it's from a POV standpoint, like you're Mr. Body and it's the POV standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it was really creepy. Um, I was young. So you'd see Colonel Mustard like with a knife, right? He'd kind of sneak up to you, then he'd stab you and he'd look at you in the face. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This is rated M for mature. Yeah. So um, I, I enjoyed the hell out of that. But I love the iterations that they've had of Clue over the years. Like they did the Scooby-Doo Clue and, uh, you know, just like they do with Monopoly and, and all that kind of stuff. They add a what would you call that? Like, like a, a trade? A, yeah, like a mashup. Like they have the Office Clue and mm. uh, Star Wars Clue. I have all, Star Wars Clue. It was a gift. Really? 
played it. Who's who? You just what? What's what are you trying to solve? I think I think it even has like multiple levels. You're like in the Death Star, and you're trying oh. to like foil plans or something. I, I only played it once, and yeah. I don't remember being uh, too sober when I played it. So <laughs> they. Yeah, they have a lot of different ones, which I don't know if they would work that well. They like Bob's Burgers Clue, Dexter Clue, Game of Thrones Clue. Game of Thrones would make sense, but I want to see something really random, like a like a good wholesome show, like Schitt's Creek Clue or something. Mm-hmm. Who killed this Go- person? Golden Girls. <laughs> Golden Girls Clue. Who burnt the cookies? I don't know. I don't watch Golden Girls. I'm not one of those people. That but murder. Murder, you say. So it would be interesting. Uh, it is a fun game. I... I love the the retro ones uh, and then just the revamped ones that look really, really nice. Um, mm. But I mean, I love being a detective, too. So I think that's I think that was the appeal for me is just you have to really pay attention in the game. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not listening to what other people are guessing and putting those pieces together, the metaphorical pieces, then you're going to lose. So yeah. unless you, you gotta, just guess like some random asshole, <laughs> you got to talk fun too. you got to be like, it's Colonel Mustard. See, yeah, he had the knife. <laughs> see, <laughs> like a real gumshoe. See, <laughs> yeah, he had the knife. That's right. He had the knife. Yeah. Then you say, what did I tell you? Huh? Yeah. What did I tell yeah. you? But yeah, so this movie accomplished an incredibly tough feat. Uh, just like we were talking about, they made a successful, well, eventually successful film based off of a game. Uh, this has crashed and burned pretty hard in the past with other movies like Battleship or Dungeons and Dragons, for example. If it could work, what other board games would you like to see made into movie films? Sure. So uh, I kind of enjoyed the movie Ouija. I saw I saw that one. Isn't that like a franchise or something? Yeah, like they that? Made a, I know there's at least two. Uh, I saw the first yeah. one. I don't think I saw the second one, but the second one even had better reviews than the first and uh, the trailer was even scary. I remember being like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you could argue that Real Steel is, uh, to an extent, Rock of Sock and Robots. I think, oh, uh, true. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, I think the horror genre would kind of lead well into this. Like uh, 1313 Dead and Drive would probably be a fun one, um, which is similar to Clue. Uh, or even the uh, the game that we play all the time, the the one night ultimate werewolf game. Oh, that'd be fun. I think that would be great. Sort of a whodunit. Someone someone was killed, and and we know that somebody in this room or two, uh, two of them fellas ain't who they say they are. <laughs> <And> <laughs> do some do some one night ultimate werewolf action, and I think that'd be fun too. Or we go with my theory. It's the ugliest one. <laughs> that means you, Joe Gage. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think any of those would be fine. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. I, I couldn't really think of any, but I think like a. So have you ever seen the movie Mouse Hunt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's no, kind- I haven't. I haven't. I saw Stuart Little. Yeah, it's Nathan which Lane, thought, which I thought was not for a second. <laughs> Nathan Lane, and I forgot the other guy's name, but basically they own a house, but the mouse lives there, and the mouse does all these hilarious things where it's like Home Alone without Kevin McAllister. But mm. that's loosely based off of Mouse Trap. Um, so I could see that. Uh, I don't, it's, it's just hard to make that adaptation because we've seen video game movies fail. And, and that's a whole other discussion because you're not actually playing the game. So so you're not making those choices. And like, while we've had some crazy cinematic games, it's very, very hard to make a successful gaming film. See Mario Brothers or see Uncharted um, with a board game. Yeah, it's it's difficult to really say other than your classics, because you have to have something that people would really like. So you can't mm-hmm. do life. Because what, what, what kind of story are you going to make out of the, the board game of life? I mean, you go to college and you you can change careers if you roll the dice accordingly or you spin the spinner accordingly. Unless it was very tongue in cheek, kind of like how Free Guy was, that Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. movie. I could see that being something. But we've seen that with like Jumanji, right? So the, the original Jumanji and then the second Jumanji where they they kind of uh, encapsulate all of that and it works really well. But yeah, it's it's difficult. I, I do agree with you on the One Night Ultimate Werewolf with the plain, plain detect, detective and seeing who's lying sort of thing. You could make it scary, but you can make it funny. And I think a good director for that would be Edgar Wright. I think mm. he could do a really good job of, you know, like the Shaun of the Dead style horror. Right. But I think it would make more sense if it was like in the, like an olden days, like a Victorian era werewolf 
kind of movie. So like Taika Waititi could do it and everybody's talking weird. Like, they sound like uh, that from London. <laughs> Mouse Hunt was the second film from DreamWorks. I knew it was one of the first three. Uh, oh, yeah. Peacemaker was first, then Mouse Hunt, then Amistad. And wouldn't you know, all three of those came out within a few months of each other. Was, Peacemaker was September 23rd of 97. Mouse Hunt was December 19th and Amistad was on Christmas Day in the morning. I remember all Amistad. All in 97. Jaimon Hansu, I think, is in it. Yeah. It'd be a good board game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I absolutely find this movie hilarious, but I'm pretty biased, like I was saying. Catan. <laughs> Settlers of Catan would probably be a good movie, too. Or Ticket to Ride. You could do Ticket to Ride as well. I don't do train movies. The last Whoa. one I watched, there was these Snow people Pixar. eating this gel made of bugs, and it was gross. Yeah, that and was... a lot uh, of snow. I didn't like it. Weren't they cockroaches? I don't know. Yeah. I don't like it. No, and yeah. and that other lady, she looked gross through the whole movie. What's her name? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Stressed me out. That movie yeah. makes me nervous. It is. No more train movies. No more train. No more stra- strangers on a train. Snakes on a train. Planes, trains, or automobiles. How, how to train your dragon? None, <laughs> none of that. Get that out of here. So I truly find this movie hilarious, but I'm pretty biased. Like I was saying, I laugh at parts that may not be considered funny, actually. But how would you describe the genre of this film? Because it's kind of interesting and it's kind of different. Um, They don't really hinge on one particular side versus the other. So how would you kind of describe the genre? I'd say it's comedy, first and foremost. Okay. Uh, That's sort of a whodunit, like in a a Laurel and Hardy sense, but... um... It's a comedy. I don't. I don't think that that is a stretch. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to divide it into any other categories other than comedy. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's more. I don't want to say full dark comedy. I would say it's more of like a a dusk comedy, a light gray comedy. <laughs> From um, dusk till comedy. Yeah. So like it still involves murder and a lot of murder and intrigue, but there's so it's not anything you can really laugh about but i mean it does have scary elements in it for sure does it? and i think so when i was a kid i got terrified when the singing telegram got shot and um when the cook gets stabbed and when the lights go out and the whole vet killing you know strangles them i mean it was terrifying when i was a kid i was like holy shit so is it a horror movie because no. when people die in movies you label them as a horror movie. well kind of but no I, I would say if anything if you wanted to go that horror route it would be comedy horror but i think it's more suspense so comedy suspense so i'd probably say something along those lines um so light gray comedy suspense film that's what i'm gonna call it uh, imdb it labels it comedy crime mystery there you go. A mystery is a good one. Secret, secret. I've got a secret. But mm-hmm. I, I think that I, I haven't looked at Amazon Prime or uh, any of those other things. It is on Amazon Prime. That's how I watched it. I believe it's also on Paramount Plus, but Paramount Plus isn't the best. So I watched it on Prime instead. And I also own it. But um, So Tim Curry, you said that you, you liked him quite a bit. He's been in It. He's been in Home Alone. He's been in Scary Movie. He's been in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Tons of amazing roles. But in this one, I mean, again, I'm biased. I, he's he's my favorite as Wadsworth. I'm a butler, sir. I buttle. Well, question I want to ask, Justin, is does this movie work without Tim Curry? Because there was a rumor that John Cleese was supposed to play Wadsworth. But uh, I don't think it would be the same without him. So what what say you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough one. I mean, it's this is a, a pretty amazing role for him. You know, Tim Curry has had some standout roles in the past. Uh, and this is one of those movies that is just, it's his movie, I think. Yeah, it's an ensemble cast. But at the end of the day, when you when you look at the, if you were to ask somebody what's, you know, who's in Clue, I'm pretty sure Tim Curry's name is going to come first. <laughs> Probably 99% be, of the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's his movie. Uh, so in the event that he weren't in it and it was John Cleese. I think John Cleese is brilliant. I think he's super goddamn funny and such a, a, a weirdo in a good way that he could probably do it, uh, especially because it's like a, a butler role. And I think that he could do a really good job at that. Uh, so it would be interesting to see sort of this parallel universe where Tim Curry wasn't cast and it was, in fact, John Cleese. I think that would be a, a fun thing to see. Uh, but so, yes, I think it could work with the right person, but... 
this is Tim Curry's movie. Yeah, I agree. It's he's just spot on. His his facial expressions are brilliant. I mean, talk about comedic acting, uh, nonverbal comedic acting. He wears his expressions on his face, like when Mister Green admits that he's a homosexual, and Tim Curry looks at the papers very wide eyed, and he's like, you know, wasn't expecting him to say that sort of thing. Right. He does so much with just so little. And I watched this really interesting video. Side note too, this interesting video on Better Call Saul and the brilliance of Bob Odenkirk and how just his facial expressions can mean so much and why he's such a good actor. Um, just a, a subtle thing of taking serious moments and doing just a, a gulp, like you can see his Adam's apple move because it's he's focusing on something and, and it shows the severity of the issue. And Tim Curry kind of does the same thing. He's so animated and goes all around. And obviously the peak of the entire film for me is when he's explaining how everything worked. So it's kind of... He's kind of us as as a as a board game player where we're like, what's going on? We need to try to piece this together. And then after the three are killed, the uh, the motorist, the cop and then the 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 gal, uh, we figure out really quick. We're like, oh, shit. Or I'm sorry, Yvette, the cop and the gal. We figure out, OK, we are with Tim Curry. We know what happened. And so now our brain is working like his is. And we're going to explain um, you know, who killed who. And we're about to do our guess from the card sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So he's brilliant. He's so brilliant. It's interesting that you brought up Better Call Saul and or Bob Odenkirk anyway, um, because uh, Vince Gilligan and you know and and what is his name Peter Gould I think is the other yeah Peter Gould. Um, they are notorious for having ridiculously long shots on their series uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul both, and a lot of times there's no talking, and so it's up to all the talent on camera to tell a story without saying anything. And mm-hmm. they're all so goddamn good at it, especially Better Call Saul. I think the entire cast is just just fucking out of everyone else's league when it comes to uh, you know acting and what makes a good television show. And obviously, the writing has a lot to do with it, but their movements and acting in nonverbal moments uh, is, plays key uh, roles in that. Totally. I absolutely agree with you. Um, again, side note, tangent, still one of the, the best shows I've ever seen on TV. And <laughs> the, it, it just started back up again. And they had a, a prime, Amazon Prime Day deal for $10. You get the entire sixth season to own. Um, and it's uh, it releases day of. So each episode releases. And I just watched the eighth episode. And oh, boy. So, um, yeah, I absolutely love it. But I can appreciate a good actor and especially a comedic actor like Tim Curry, who, you know, he was great in in Rocky Horror Picture Show. And he's great in smaller roles, too, like in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. You know, your stolen credit card. Um, I love it. And then Pennywise the Clown is probably one of his most famous roles that people know him from without actually had seen seen his face. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just think he, he he makes this work so well. And I don't think the movie would have, have been the same without him. Uh, John Cleese is great. He's funny. Uh, I'm not a Monty Python guy, admittedly, but I still really like John Cleese. And I think he has similar esque humor. But Tim Curry is just so quick with his his timing and his his speech and, and just the work he does into his acting. And I absolutely love him. Well, all right. Cool. He's also good as uh, Dr. Poole in the movie Oscar, which I think I brought up a couple St- weeks ago. Stallone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really funny in that. There's this moment where he looks at the camera and does this smile and it's just like, oh, my God, I love that, man. He's so great. Yeah, um, he was also in this really weird like Disney witches movie I watched when I was a kid and he was flying on a broomstick and it was very odd. But but yeah, I do like him. And he was the voice of the bad guy in Ferngly, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, like the black smoke or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. His name is Texas. I haven't seen Vrungle in a long time. I just remember <sighs> the one's the one guy's name is Zach. So. Zach Attack? Yeah. How do you spell it? I don't know. Z A C X Q Fasachi. How do you spell it these days? <laughs> Z-A-C-H. The artist formerly known as Zach. He's also in the hunt for October. And he's uh, Dr. Petrov. And he's like, Sir, the reason for having two missile keys is so that no one man has control. Of the missiles. <laughs> That's pretty great. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Get on your knees and tell me you love me. Yeah. I love that one too. 
Have you ever, Justin, Justin JCC Cavender, have you ever been to a murder mystery dinner? And if you if you haven't, would you ever partake in one? I've never been to one. No, I've done escape rooms and I've done really well in them. But <laughs> do you just I, guess and you're like, this is the exit? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just it's just kind of perfect. I mean, if it were like a life or death situation, I'd probably die. But uh, because I'm, uh, because I'm in game mode, I, mean, I usually do pretty well. Uh, like the fucking movie, the, the movie Game Night. Have you seen that movie? I fucking love it so much. I have and not, but I've heard I've heard, had requests for us to do that, so I'm not opposed to doing it. And I've heard so it's funny. funny. Yeah, it's ridiculously funny. It's so good. And uh, like this is line where he's like, man, glass tables are being weird tonight <laughs> because <laughs> glass tables just don't break in this movie. It's really funny. <laughs> in the other movie, they would shatter a billion times. But he's, oh, like, yeah, totally. he's like, man, glass tables are being weird tonight. Uh, but it's really, really funny and uh, definitely worth a watch. Uh, but no, I've never done a murder mystery dinner party. And yeah, I, I'd probably partake. I wouldn't want to be I would observe, you know, like I wouldn't want to be like a character in it or anything like that. Um, but if I'm guessing who did something and there was a cast, you know, uh, then sure, I would do it. The plantation. Yeah. The <laughs> green bags. Green bags <laughs> on the plantation. <laughs> yeah. How do you think I feel having to have a different woman every night and be a Playboy billionaire? <laughs> yeah. I, I totally would, and I would embrace the shit out of it, and I would be in character. I've thought about just creating my own murder mystery dinner and getting a group of my friends to do it because I think it would be really, really fun. And you get people to dress up. You get people to own into the character because I think that's pretty much the only way that, that it would work would be 100% buy-in from everybody, 100% investment. Um, it, it's just different than the the ordinary, right? Um playing detective and and also getting to eat would be a really cool facet to it uh, we all want to solve a mystery we are all intrigued by murder i mean everybody's obsessed with with murder she wrote podcasts and whatnot so why not just make it a dinner one of my favorite saved by the bell episodes was a murder mystery episode it's terrible because i watched it recently and it's just doesn't hold up but i used to love that episode when i was a kid and it had a lot of Saved by the Bell. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a Saved by the Bell episode when they go to a a mansion and Lisa goes missing and they got to solve the murder. But it's what? yeah, it does. They do a good job. I can't remember what it's called, but I have these random things in my head that I remember. I actually but, met Dennis Haskins once. Uh, Richard Belding. Did he do uh, his laugh? <laughs> uh, no, but he was delightful. I, it was at, it was in Seattle actually. Really? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was at uh, it was at Emerald City and Comic Con, and I was just walking by, and I looked at him, and I'm like, man, where do I know this fucking guy from? And then he smiled, and I was like, oh my god, it's Mr. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Like it was. It, if if honestly, if he wouldn't have never smiled, I would have walked right past him. But it was the smile that got me. I was just like, holy shit, it's Mr. Belding. That's awesome. So I was like, oh my god, hey, how's it going? Great to see you. What was he doing there? Just signing autographs? Uh, I mean, he was signing autographs, but when I saw him, he was he was on the move. He was walking, and we just both kind of got stuck behind people. So it was kind of funny. That's pretty excellent. Yeah. <laughs> like, you were I literally just looked over. I, it's so funny. I literally just looked over, and I'm like staring at this guy. I'm like, man, this guy looks very familiar. <laughs> Does he owe me money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Because he has like such like... You know, posture, you know, he always stood up straight and everything like that. And and then I'm just looking at him. I'm like, man, I swear I know this fucker. Uh, it's kind of funny. I dig it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I didn't remember his name in the moment. I, I just remembered Mr. Belding. And I was like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Did um, you go, time out? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do anything jackassy. I didn't even call him Mr. Belding. I was just like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. That was it. Yeah fascinating man that's what you, the yeah. things you can see at comic cons i know i know it was funny san diego's coming up right it is it is next week my goodness maybe you'll see tim curry there maybe he'll be in a wheelchair i don't think so he's, I think he's in a wheelchair yeah he's a stroke victim oh that makes me sad i don't want to talk about it i don't talk about it i'm sad but the movie clue is chock full of awesome 80s actors who have had success in multiple films pre and post this movie. What character in Clue do you identify with the most? Ooh, I mean, I would like to say Wadsworth because uh, <laughs> I'm a pretty good host when I have people over and uh, especially with parties and I like to have a good time and I make sure that everyone knows everybody and I introduce everybody. Uh, I'm loud. I'm a little obnoxious. 
so if I had to identify with somebody, it would probably be Wadsworth. I would say, yeah, Wadsworth is a good one, but also I think Mr. Green for me just being very awkward and kind of not knowing what to do or stumbling or tripping over or I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. But this is this happened. And people are like, we already said that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. like, oh, oops, my bad. From the parking lot. That's right. Yeah, that's where I know you. And he <laughs> is on TV. <laughs> yeah. So I would probably be Mr. Green in that sense. Um, or I could see Professor Plum being a sleazeball. I'm kind of a sleazeball. So that's why they call me sleazy Nicks. Yeah, it's not my name. But. There are a ton of characters in this, obviously, and I am glad you could identify with one. Mm-hmm. But about the characters, none of them are actually wearing the colors that their names represent. Mr. Green, uh, Miss Scarlet, Mrs. White, uh, Mrs. Peacock, Professor Plum, and Colonel Mustard. They're not wearing their colors. How did that work for you? Did it throw you off or did you like it? Um, I mean, I kind of like it. I think Miss Peacock kind of had like a weird outfit to where it made sense that she was Miss Peacock. Kind of looked yeah. like like feathers almost. Yeah, she had well, she was wearing like a fur jacket, but then she had that thing in her hair with all those leaves and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. so she looked kind of peculiar. But you're right. Uh, no one really looked like their their game piece, as it were. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think that that worked well because. In the game, you know, you have like a notepad where you're supposed to like take notes to try and keep track of things. And I think by them not having any real identifying markers, it sort of plays tricks with you on who's who and who could have done it. So to me, that makes sense. I mean, whether I'm reading too much into it or not is another story. But um, I do think that that adds sort of the the element of of uncertainty. I think it it does for sure. And it goes into like what we were saying. Yeah, it goes into you're not you're, you're staying true to the game, but you're also trying to make it nuanced because you need to explain why all these people are here in this setting. It's not just a, a random dinner party. They all have pseudonyms. That's not their actual names. And and you kind of reduce some of the campiness uh, that would physically be there. Um, because it's not going to be Mr. Green. Oh, that's funny. He wears nothing but green or Professor Plum. Oh, he's always wearing purple. That's very like candy, right? Yeah, (laughs) let's not be silly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's kind of campy in in a certain sense, and it probably would have taken away from from the rest of the film. Um, Maybe little nods here and there could have been good. Like they, you know, Mr. Green had a green bow tie or Professor Plum had a purple vest or something, right? Uh, They actually kind of wore opposite colors of what you would expect like mrs white was dressed in all black and you know the opposite of of white is black for the most part so i i think that that was interesting one fun trivia fact that i saw was actually all the cars that they arrived in were were their colors Mm -hmm. if you uh if you go back all their their cars were their colors um except for peacock peacock is interesting would you uh, peacock in the game is blue but correct she's, she's not like a there's no like peacock blue but when i think of a peacock i think of the feathers and the blue with some green mixed in so mm-hmm. um but yeah i i think that's kind of why you, you you treat it serious enough and that's a, a reason i love this movie so much is it's brilliant to be like well we could just put these these <laughs> seven random strangers in a house you know sort of real world vibes but, true story <laughs> there you go but you uh you have a backstory for why they're there and the pseudonyms are just a red herring basically uh they are all there to be blackmailed and it all has to deal with washington dc or government affairs and, and politics w- way above my pay grade but that's i think that's why i love it so much is because that that um conduit for how they met is so cool and they they did a great job of it because when you go to this obviously wadsworth is not a character in the game so you're thinking like who the hell is this guy is this mr body who is this but he's kind of the he he's the the metaphorical player if you want to assume like he's the one he's us um and the same thing with a vet and the cook you don't really have those people in the game so it 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 really does work they kind of fill in, in the holes for me but right yeah mr body is who's murdered in the game Mm-hmm. he's the he's the crux of everything he's the thing that holds everything together the linchpin if you if you must mm-hmm. so none of the oh i said that already but this movie at times can be quite overwhelming with the amount of information that's presented at once the government and blackmail angles are somewhat convoluted and i'm wondering however if john landis was thinking about making some sort of political commentary in this movie so 
was communism really the red herring in this film or was there a deeper message in your mind? Uh, I mean, I didn't really think too much about it, but I mean, it does like, take place in 1954 and that was right in the middle of, you know, the McCarthy hearings and people naming names and everyone was afraid of the government and afraid of being exposed. Uh, you know, a lot of scandal. Uh, lives were ruined when you were labeled a communist. It was a very scary time. People lost their jobs, lost their homes, kicked out of towns, been arrested, um, particularly with, you know, Mr. Mr. Green. You know, if you were if you were gay, you would lose your job. You know, I mean, that still happens today in some states because people are terrible. But it's terrible. It was a, it was a very scary time. And if they're all being blackmailed because of some scandal that could ultimately lead to something else, you know, like uh, it, it makes sense. So, I mean, uh, I think it's just sort of fitting for that, that they're all from D.C., right? That's a you know, the, the political climate is insane. That is um, it's a, it's a very. Uh, corrupt town. I think corruption is a big theme in this movie. So yeah. it all it all just it all makes sense. Yeah. But I, I, when sure. I watched it, I I honestly never put any thought whatsoever into it until you asked me this question just now. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's it is interesting that they go so in depth with it, and I think there is something to be said about it. Um, I mean, even the jokes about like, oh, my wife is a socialist and he starts crying and they're all they all sympathize with him. It's just it's so stupid and so funny, but it's maybe the elite just being elite and they're all pieces of shit at the end of the day. None, that's why I think ending C is the best, because would I put it past any of them to com- commit murder to save their own ass? No. I mean, some of them uh, have done some dastardly things like Mrs. White has killed someone and and Miss Peacock is taking bribes in, in bathroom stalls. It's just it's all sorts of out of control. Uh, it's not very far off from from the climate of our of our political leaders and 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 well, not leaders, but appointed personnel, I should say. So I I think that that's pretty on the nose. But it's a device to get the plot rolling, and so mm-hmm. um, I I think they did a good job with that. But um, I mean, a big reason I love it too much is this movie. It's funny, but not overly funny. It's just it's serious enough with the tone. Um, and that's the key to kind of board game movies. And, and we, we talked about it earlier, too, is making sure that you don't sway one way too hard left or right. You you try to find that middle ground uh, to make it serious enough, because if this movie were more of a horror film and they didn't focus on the communism stuff and they didn't focus on how to bring these strangers together, then it would have been. I don't think it would have been as good. It just would have been another kind of whatever movie. But if it was too funny, like a slapstick comedy, then you would have just felt like, okay, this is funny, but it's also kind of lame. And they did enough for it. uh, Like how I was saying, I got scared at moments. The editing, I think, is on point. So like when the lights get shut off and they do the shots of each person, they do a close of, of each person in the dark. We're all wondering, like, who the hell is opening this cabinet? Who's the one shooting? It's just a hand grabbing a gun. They leave that suspense in there, right? You don't know who it is. So if this is your first time watching your playing along with Wadsworth and you're playing along with everyone else. And you're like, who the hell is the killer? I don't get it. I don't like it. Um, but that's, that's why I like this movie so much is even though I know the outcome, I still take things away from it, watching it after 50 times or whatever. I mean, I'm looking up at a painting right now that some random stranger gave me of, of all the weapons from clue. And Hmm. it's awesome. Um, it just reminds me of how much I like the movie. Thank you for that, by the way. But uh, yeah, it I is... give you a lot of hanging gifts. Yeah, because we like to hang out all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's I, I think they, they just do such a good job of keeping the audience guessing Landis and Lynn, um, because at times the movie can feel confusing with all that communism stuff with the dialogue. But it's all summed up when Wasworth explains how he solves a case. And, you know, it's funny because the running around sort of thing. Uh, he just goes back and forth between room, room, and room, and everyone is starting to kind of get it as well. Um, it's it's like when you play the game, if you aren't paying attention, you may have missed something. So I think that's why there's intention or intent from uh, Landis and Lynn when they wrote it to to make it a little convoluted because sometimes that's how Clue is. If you're not paying attention to what Justin said and then what Alex said, then I'm like, wait, oh shit, did she just guess Professor Plum in the hall with the wrench? Or I think Justin might have said the rope, and and I think he clearly has the knife because he's not asking that one so you have to pay attention in clue and i mean 
real good detectives when they play that game can solve it pretty quickly. But uh, with this movie, it's just it's supposed to keep us on our toes. And I think the audiences back in 85 when this came out probably just didn't really grasp all of that. Uh, right off the bat, <laughs> they, they probably were like, oh, I love the clue board game. And then they're like, what the hell is this shit? It's talking about red herrings and murder and whatever, whatever. I, I don't understand. When are they going to roll the dice and and pull the cards out of the thing? So I, I think that's why it's good that it sat with time and it's it's gotten better. So I'm a fan of that. But well, I think you could also argue that the the, the gimmick, the ending gimmick may have had an impact on uh, the audience going to see it and the reception. It totally you know, did. It totally yeah. did. Yeah. The and, and Landis even said he wanted to bring people into the theater so they'd see it multiple times. But that backfired on him pretty hard because people were like, you gotta be out your goddamn. I'm not seeing it <laughs> two more times. And, right. and he's especially since it's like literally the last like five minutes over and, yeah. over and over again. So it's like, do you want me to sit through through 100 through 85 minutes to get to the last five minutes? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, especially with the prices of movies back in the day. What? Four dollars. Jeez. Four dollars and fifty cents. Then you got to get the popcorn, too. So, yeah, I I don't think that, that was the best tactic, but I really do enjoy um, what they've done with Clue so far. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think another struggle, too, is that right away the the seriousness of, of or almost the validity of it when it's based off of a video game. You can like, really like, you know, a lot of people were skeptical about some of the Disney movies that were based off of rides, right? Obviously, Pirates of the Caribbean went on to be a huge success, but like Haunted Mansion, not so much, right? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, they there's, there's hits and misses. I mean, I personally, I really enjoyed Jungle Cruise. I thought it was a lot of fun, um, but it is. It <laughs> it's is going on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think that, there is it's okay to have concern if something's going to be a success or not when you base a movie around an attraction at a theme park yeah in this case a board game yeah i I, it's just it's trying to find that common ground for it Mm -hmm. disney properties are different because disney honestly i feel like are just thinking hey we're just gonna slap this out there because it has disney on the title and people are gonna see it because we have the clout I don't know if they necessarily care as much. I mean, I talked about Marvel fatigue. I'm just kind of tired of Marvel. I saw the new Doctor Strange and I was like, eh, it's a movie. Um, it was it was just one of those things that I, I'm just tired of. And Disney's not putting the care into things like they used to, in, in my humble opinion. And so with them making their rides, it's just they're trying to squeeze out extra stuff. I mean, what's next for the rides, right? Are they going to do a tram ride? Are they going to do a fireworks show ride? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, are they going to do a Galaxy's Edge ride? Oh, wait, that's Star right. Wars. So. Tomorrowland was another one that wasn't, oh, yeah. uh, that was a miss. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier, like Battleship. Like, are you fucking serious, Battleship? The, and then there's like the movie's aliens terrible. And, it was <laughs> the movie's so bad. terrible. <laughs> and like Dungeons and Dragons again. I mean, it was it was. It was a pretty lame movie, but that's not because it was Dungeons and Dragons. It was mm-hmm. just a lame ass movie. You could have called that movie whatever the fuck you wanted. It still would have been terrible. <laughs> Dragons and Dungeons. See? <laughs> yeah. It was bad. Dude. It was really it was... bad. Yeah, it was on stars all the time and I watched it and I watched half of it and I didn't know a lick about Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm just like, this is really bad. I, I was mm. a kid, too, and I just I didn't like it. So, yeah, I saw it in college. I remember when it came out. Uh, I guess I wasn't that young, but I was. Teenager. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm seven years older than you. So. Yeah. Uh, Andy wants to see it. So um, I, I, I there. Yeah, there there has to be a formula in there somewhere. But I think it, it's taking it serious while also uh, having a little little fun with it. But I think, Justin, the biggest reason I like this movie so much other than everything I've talked about is it feels like a stage play to me. This movie feels like a stage play. Um, I love plays. I love Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I love films, too, that are based off of plays. So Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like I was talking about. Um, uh, one Night in Miami was a more recent one that I saw that Regina King directed. I love the the one location, uh, different room, but you're forced to kind of focus on that, not a sweeping uh, landscape like Jurassic World Dominion or any bullshit like that. Um, I just really ha- am a fan of of stage plays, and this feels like a stage. <clears throat> excuse me, a stage play. So I think that was another reason I, why I adored it. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finally, my final question for you: There have been conversations from Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman on working on a remake for Clue, and this has been going on for quite a while. But would a remake work? Who could play who, in your opinion? Uh. 
you're, mean, on, so, you're on the casting couch, Justin. You, sure, got, sure. you got someone in front of you. Who's playing who? Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, in most cases, I feel like comedy is timeless and you don't really touch it. Uh, it would be interesting to see, uh, rather than this be in the uh, the 50s, I mean, we are in an extremely volatile climate right now. And I think a, a post, you know, Trump... Uh, and COVID era would be ripe with material. Um, and, and especially since just the amount of craziness that's going on in this world, uh, <laughs> I think that that right now is, is the perfect time for something like this. But if, if I were the casting director for this movie, I, I got some names, man. This is, this is my ideal cast. All right. Okay. Um, I would say uh, Miss Peacock would be uh, Octavia Spencer. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Miss White would be Zoe Kravitz. Oh, love it. Miss Scarlet would be Famke Jensen. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, she strikes me as a brothel type owner. She strikes She's... me as a Jean Grey type character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Professor Plum would be uh, Peter Stormare. I oh, think you would be awesome. Russian space station. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think you would be so fucking funny. I love that yeah. man so goddamn much. A real smooth smoothie. <laughs> He's so good. Oh my god! But even in like fucking in John Wick Two, when he's just trying to drink his drink, and he just hears like the tires screeching and the bullets, and you just see how scared he is. It's so fucking funny. Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colonel Mustard, J.K. Simmons. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Mr. <laughs> Freelance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he'd be a great Colonel Mustard. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Green would be Keegan-Michael Keegan Key. Hey, that's he'd, a good choice. I think he'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, super funny because he could be the... Uh, I mean, they don't all have to play the parts necessarily how they were in, in this 1985 version. But if he were to play sort of the, the awkward one in the room... Uh, maybe that one that's accident prone. I think that he could do a really good job. Hmm. He he's funny. He's very funny. Um, Carmen Jello for all you uh, league fans out there. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Body would be Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, good choice. I think he'd be great. Uh, Yvette would be Emily Blunt. Oh, I love her so much because I love her. And Wadsworth, are you ready? Mm-hmm. My Wadsworth would be Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> oh, that would be good. He'd be like, hey, man, we're just trying to solve a case here. What's the deal? Ignacio Varga, that's who you want. <laughs> so, um, cool. I really like that list quite a bit. I, I can totally see that. And I mean, especially like Keegan-Michael Key and Zoe Kravitz, those are really good uh, suggestions because I can just see the electricity that he would have as a Mr. Green. But yeah, the Bob Odenkirk as Wadsworth could be really fun. And mm-hmm. if you, if you kind of stick to what they're what they're working with, um, I know that Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman want to be in it, but I don't know who they would play. I think it would be funny if like Ryan Reynolds was Mr. Body, where it's you know he's this big actor, or you get a very very famous like a Leo DiCaprio or a Brad Pitt, and you make them Mr. Body because it's like mm-hmm. they're in it, but then they just get killed. That's all they are. I um, mean, or they could already even be dead when the movie starts. So exactly, you see this famous person that doesn't even have any lines in the movie. <laughs> that would like, be, oh, shit. yeah, that would be really good. Or you have them be the police chief, or you have them be one of yeah. the like the motorist that gets killed. That could be really funny, and then they get you know marquee billing or something like that. So I could see, I could see that doing. Who do you think uh, could? Well, I mean, I guess Jason Bateman would probably direct it. Um, he and, is directing now. Yeah, yeah he he did a lot of uh, Ozark, and he's he's done a fantastic. He did job. that other show too, the the horror one on HBO, the Outsider. Outsider, yeah. yeah, that was a good one. I really enjoyed it. Cynthia Revo is another good choice for any of those characters if she if she wanted to play. So a quick Google search from ScreenRant.com. Uh, we like ScreenRant. They listed. All right, ready. Mrs. Peacock. They had. This is a fan casting for the in development clue remake. They had for Mrs. Peacock Meryl Streep, which I think mm-hmm. would be good. Colonel Mustard would be Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, oh, he's good. I love be, him, dude. Yeah, dude, dude. <laughs> it's pretty pretty great. He could you, probably even be Wadsworth, to be honest with you. I think I've, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty crazy guy, man. I've seen the energy that he brings uh, in person, and he's he's a he's a very charismatic fellow when he wants to be. I do like him quite a bit. I know you didn't you weren't super keen on the boys, but I think he did a great job in the boys as well. I fucking hate that show. I know. I really so I really liked it. it. I really I liked can't, it. I can't <laughs> wait to never watch it ever again. <laughs> uh, Yvette would be Jennifer Lawrence. 
You could plug in whoever you wanted for that one. Mr. Green would be Edward Norton. That one's interesting. Edward Nigma. Edward Enigma. E. Enigma. I could see that. Professor Plum would be Jeffrey Wright. That's a good one. He I, is great. I, I love, Jeffrey, love Wright. Jeffrey Wright. I will see anything that he does. So yeah, Profe- him as Professor Plum could be great. Miss Scarlet would be Anne Hathaway, which I could see that. The, the flames, flames in the side of the head. Uh, Mrs. White would be Aquafina. I dig it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wadsworth would be Benedict Eggs, Benedict Cucumberbatch. <laughs> So, okay, yeah. yeah, Benedict uh, Cumberbatch could be a good Wadsworth, I think. I don't know if he's as funny, though, or if his timing would be as good. Yeah, I mean, I don't see you don't see him in too many uh, comedic roles. So it's kind of interesting to see how that would play out. But I mean, yeah. honestly, I, there, there's so many amazing actors out there that could that could really have fun with this role. Uh, I thought of like uh, Helen Mirren and as one of the people. But then I thought it'd be funny if you had her as like, the cook <laughs> you know just like somebody that's like like just barely in it or whatever i think that would be good too yeah and, and that's what i mean like if you did a top billing like oh my god look at this cast it's crazy there's so many people but you know true fans are like oh she's the cook well she's gonna die really quick yeah that'd be really yeah. funny or they didn't really reveal who well i guess you'd have to with the with the posters and the trailers and whatnot but i think that that would be that would be quite you know what would be cool is if they just had silhouettes and you had to figure out who they were. Ooh, you know, you could have the uh, yeah, not even having the names. Just like I mean, they yeah, uh, union rules would probably not allow it, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would be pretty cool. Yeah, even or, to the point where you know the credits are like before movies and stuff. Uh, you know that would be neat too if if it was just a complete mystery from the start of the movie to the end as to who was who in this movie. So if if they did something like a I can't remember what, what they call the, the posters now, but it's where it shows pretty much every character and it's centerpieced and then they all kind of fan out. I can't stand those posters and I feel like every single movie is like that now. But if they did something like this and because they didn't they don't use the colors. So Mr. Green's not wearing green. Mrs. Peacock's not wearing blue, so on and so forth. They could just dress everyone up kind of like a murder, murder on the Orient Express sort of uh, poster. They could dress everyone up and have them on there. But you wouldn't really know who's who necessarily. It just says who they are. It's, you know, they're actors. It's like Jeffrey Wright, Meryl Streep, uh, Mm -hmm. Keegan-Michael Key, whoever. And so you're just kind of like, well, I don't know who I'm playing. Or you could gender swap too. You could have Mr. White instead. So I think that that could be really fascinating and that could be really fun to to have the guessing game. So Knives Out was the closest thing to a a Clue remake that we got. And I think they did a great job with that. I know you weren't a super big fan of that. Yeah, my before I thought of Bob Odenkirk, I thought of Daniel Craig as Wadsworth. Um, but then I changed my mind to Odenkirk. I, thought, yeah. I made this list in the shower, mind you. Ooh, nice. With a Dr. Pepper? I did. It's <laughs> like my thing now. Crazy. So goddamn good. Long, hard day. Nice, <laughs> nice refreshing Dr. Pepper. That, that, resort, that resort life in the fucking shower with the Dr. Pepper. There you go. There you oh. go. A little bell to ring. So. Well... I love this movie so goddamn much and it's just an easygoing film for me, but do you have any final thoughts and what is your letter grade for clue? You know, I don't really have a whole lot to say in addition to what we've already discussed. Uh, I do think it's brave to make a movie out of a video game or out of a board game. Um, it's not something you see all the time and we can see that it has been met with, uh, with some moderate success. Uh, I do think that Ouija two probably did pretty well. Uh, maybe not, by the critics, but I think it actually did decent in the. Um, and I uh, think that's our boy Mike Flanagan, I believe, right? Who did Haunting of Hill House and um, he did Doctor Sleep and uh, oh, the other one that I, I love so much and I am forgetting the name right now, but Midnight Mass. Um, Midnight Mass, yeah. Yeah, he's great. So I, if that, I believe that was him who did it and, and that speaks volumes because he's just a phenomenal director. Um, yeah. So uh, I would give this movie probably a B. It's just a straight B. I enjoy it. I probably watch it. Uh, prior to this podcast, it was a movie I watched maybe once a decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have since seen it twice in the last three and a half years. Okay. Well, interesting. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an A plus for me. I love this movie <laughs> so much. And I'm not crazy for saying that. It's just such a comfort for me. It's one of my favorites. I 
for every everything I've already said. I just I feel good when I watch it. It's funny. It's fast paced. I love showing it to new people, especially uh, my friends who can get the humor that I get, and then they they laugh too. I'm like, yeah, I feel like a proud dad when I when I do that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. It's uh, it's 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 very interesting, but yeah, this this movie gets an A plus for me, man. I will watch it till the cows come home. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but that is all I have to say about Clue. Are you ready to leave so you can get your shower, Doctor Pepper, in? Already had it. Whoa! Uh, so just real quick, uh, the budget for the second Ouija movie uh, was nine million dollars, and it made eighty one million. So crushed it. Crushed it. Wow. And you're right, that is Flanagan. Yeah, okay, cool. Love Mike Flanagan. He does some pretty gruesome stuff at times, but he's not afraid to be edgy, dude. He's, uh, you, edgy. you and him would get along. <laughs> I was going to say, you and him would get along. You're both edgy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He did Dr. Sleep, you know, and that's a, that's a damn decent sequel. That is one of the best uh, horror sequels I've ever seen. I, yeah. it's, it's very hard to watch at times, but there are points of redemption and they, they do a lot to bridge the gap between the, the dislike of Stephen King and the fans who are hardcore about the books versus the movies and so on and so forth. But he still stays true to the actual film. So I really enjoy Mike Flanagan a lot. Mm-hmm. And oh. how. He yeah. should do Clue, the remake. Dude, that'd be a lot of murder and intrigue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could I'm see I, I could see Edgar Wright directing Clue. I could yeah. definitely see him directing Clue. That would be that would be brilliant. So, um, okay, well, time to t- uh, pull this tugboat ashore. So, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod at edgyarmo and at zachdale60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show i am so happy we gotta do it comes full circle right we gotta do the, the very first episode we ever wanted to do and, uh, it's, it only took us three plus years but that's okay you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode just please make sure it is available streaming so everyone can watch it also please subscribe to our show on apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review we are available on other major podcast apps like Spotify, Amazon Prime, and Pandora, to name a few. Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. <laughs>